Bokar Tov. First of all, we'd like to give a shout out to Mr. David. David Nazari from Encino, Los Angeles. Thank you for your kind words yesterday. He said he's been, um, he's uh, clearly Iranian, so he's one of us. And he found the podcast. And now he feels like he's part of the group and he enjoys the Torah. Bezal Hashem Hashem should give us the zikhut to continue to learn the Torah and see the beauty of it. Because there's one thing that I've gained since starting these classes. It's the Torah is so much deeper than I ever would have thought. And that was, and I was already, you know, it's not like I wasn't religious two years ago. But the beauty, the wisdom of the Torah if you learn it well and you, you're seeking it and you're open-minded to it, there's nothing like it. Uh, Bezar Hashem, if anybody else is not from Great Neck and listens to our shiur, please feel free to email me at, what is it, jonathan at theparashahpodcast.com. We'd love to hear who our, our listeners are. Okay, we have, we're in now in Aliyat Shishi. We did the Ma'asrot yesterday, right? We did the Ma'asr Shani and the Ma'asr Ani. And the idea there is that Ma'asr Shani ends up at making uh, Yerushalayim a place of a lot of giving. Same thing obviously with Maaser Ani, does the same thing in your own cities. But one thing I didn't add by the way, is Maaser Sheni, we were acting like Maaser Sheni is the only thing you're eating in Yerushalayim. But, but you also have the korbanot of those chagim that you're going for, which is plenty of meat. And then you have things like the, the bichor that you have to bring, which is your animal that you have to bring. You have the korban chagigah that's brought, meaning there's so much food. <laughs> Constantly They're constantly eating. There, there's you know, two. There's, they there's way, way, way. <laughs> yeah, you have to bring U-Hauls. There's what? Uh, well, that's why we have the idea of being able to transfer money. They wouldn't carry all of it. Okay, now we're on chapter fifteen. Okay, and the chapter is about the shemitah. Now, keeping to our theme of Parashat Re'eh. By the way, we're not even going to finish Parashat Re'eh by, by Parashat Shofetim. But thank God, by Sunday we'll do Parashat Shofetim, and Shofetim is a short parasha, we'll do a lot of it. And then mid-next week we'll, we'll probably be done. Okay. Anyways, what was the theme we said of Parashat Re'eh? Uh, it was maintaining the strength of our, of our nation through, through not allowing our luxury to get in the way of our unity. Let's be very specific, okay? Our, our luxury could become a sense of, of, it could cause us to not care about one another anymore. You know, in Israel, we see today, times of difficulty unite, unite, but times of, of plenty cause people to fight. So the Torah, it says, no, that's not a good way to create society because if you become too wealthy, you're going to end up falling apart. So the whole, whole solution for the Torah is to, is to deal with that issue. So that's been our theme. That's why... All of the, when we go to Yerushalayim to celebrate in times of plenty, in the good times, sharing, sharing. everything is about sharing. Cause, and it's not just be a nice person. This is going to be integral to the success of Am Yisrael. Now, the reason I'm, I'm saying that this whole idea again is because, is this the first time we are studying the laws of Shemitah? It's not. We've seen the laws of Shemitah in Parashat Behar, the end of Sefer Vaikra. And whenever we saw the, the laws of Shemitah in the book of Vaikra, what was the main lesson to be learned from the laws of Shemitah? That the land belongs to God. 
that we don't own the land, God, God owns the land. He's the, we're just leasing the land from Him. And if that's the case, then whatever God says we do with our land, we do with our land. And that was part of the larger picture of Sefer Vaikra, which was the idea of Kedushah, which is the recognition that we are not the center of the world, but that Borei Olam is the center of the world. So when we read the laws of Shemitah in the book of Devarim, we're going to expect to see it from a different angle, because you know it's not the same book as Vaikra. So let's see if someone could point out which angle we're looking at in the book of uh, Devarim. Miket Shemitah. At the end of seven years, you should do Shemitah, meaning in the seventh year. By the way, Ramban with a nun has a whole discussion over what the Miket Sheva Shanim means. Because if you say the end of seven years, it sounds like it's the eighth year. We're actually at that exact junction right now. We're, we're in Shemitah coming up. Meaning this year your, your, your etrog is okay, next year your etrog becomes tribute. Wow. Okay. Anyways, uh, by the way, that, that is my tefillin. You could move it. You could move it. Mr. Nitsani, you could, my tefillin is there. You could move it if you want. It's not. Seventh year is Shemitah. So I, I'm, I'm not going to get into it, but the Ramban has a long discussion grammatically over when you say Miketz Sheva Shanim, it sounds like you're saying the end of seven years. So it sounds like the eighth year. But the Ramban proves that he proves from like a hundred places in Tanakh that when you say the end of something, it could mean meaning the year of. It could mean the seventh year also. Yeah, it could mean the actual seventh. Okay, and this is the word. This is the idea behind the shemitah. Anybody who has a creditor against his friend shall withhold his hand. He shall not exact his payment from his neighbor or his friend or his brother for he has, for a Shemitah has been proclaimed before God. Okay, so what does Shemitah mean? Shemitah means, it comes from, or it's the same thing as Shamot kol ba'al mashayado. Shamot means to withhold your hand, okay? So anybody who, if I have credit against someone on the Shemitah, that's it. The credit, I'm not allowed to chase after that credit anymore. The credit becomes forgiven. But the fee was, yeah, you can take it. I, 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 I don't see why not. He can give it. He can take it. I'm not, I'm, not allowed to ch- I'm not allowed to chase after. You cannot request. Now, et tigos. If it's a goy, then you are allowed to request and chase after the money. But whatever credit you have against your brother, tashmet yadecha, withhold your hand. So again, the word shemitah comes from this idea of withholding. Okay? Only so that there will not be amongst you any poor. Because if you withhold, if you do not chase after the credit, then especially in the year of shemitah, nobody really has, what, when is somebody really in financial difficulty? Not when they don't have money, but when they owe. That's the worst, right? So in that case, the, the worst level of poverty you won't have. For God will bless you. In the land that God has given you to possess. But this is only if you listen to the voice of Hashem your God. To keep all the mitzvah that I am commanding you today. 
For God, Hashem your God, will bless you as He, as he promised you. You will lend it to many nations, but you will not borrow. And you will rule over many nations. But among, uh, over you, they will not be, uh, they will not rule. Anybody remember why or what was the emphasis of the Shemitah in the book of Bihar, in the Parsha of Bihar? And anybody recognize what is not being discussed right now in Devarim? What? What do you mean? But uh, it, it has that same element of yes, the money belongs to God. So if God wants me to not chase after the credit, oh, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, in Sefer Vaikra, what was the emphasis of the of the mitzvah of Shemitah in Sefer Vaikra? What did we learn about it? That you can't you have to leave your land fallow. That you don't you don't touch your land. You don't you don't uh, do anything on your land. And that you leave the land for the poor. Whoever wants to come and take food from your land could take that that year. Did we bring those laws right now? No. Did we discuss any of them? No, this is only forgiving, forgiving. So the element of the Shemitah which we are discussing in the book of Devarim is completely different than the element of Shemitah which we're discussing in Vaikra. There we were discussing that you have to leave the land and to have faith that the, the land belongs to God. Leave the land, it should become like a Shabbat for you, a time when you study Torah, a time when you focus on spiritual things. It's for you, between you and Boreolam almost. But here, the only element of the Shemitah which we're discussing in Devarim is to not chase after the loans. And again, that is to promote unity amongst the people, to promote kindness amongst the people. Do you, let's say, let's say you're, uh, uh, nobody should need to do this, but let's say you have to borrow money from your father. Three years, you're still in hard times. If you have a good relationship with your father, is he going to chase after the money? Obviously not. So whenever you do that same behavior with your fellow Israelite, who you do not necessarily have a blood relationship with, it forces you to acknowledge that this is my brother, that we are unified. That even when times are good for me, I can still treat my, my fellow as, he, as if he's my brother. The same way I would have treated him if he was my real brother. And that promotes unity. So that's the element of Shemitah, which we're focusing in the book of Devarim. Okay, next, Pasuk 7. When you have someone poor from amongst your brethren in one of your cities, in your land that God has given you, do not harden your heart, and do not close your hand to your brother who is poor. For you shall surely open your hand to him, and you should lend to him. Whatever he is lacking, that shall be lacking for him. Why are we talking about this now? Because in the Shemitah, we're talking about not chasing after our loans. But we also have to have in mind, we have to give loans also. Yes. You know, it's very important for us. If somebody needs, needs a loan, and obviously interest-free, because you're not allowed to charge interest, Vadai, you have to give the loan. So that also promotes unity. Thus there is a matter that goes into your heart, an inappropriate matter goes into your heart, saying, The year of the seven has approached, 
It is coming, the year of the Shemitah, and your eye is bad against your brother, and you decide not to give him. He will then call against you to Hashem, and you will have a sin. You shall surely give him the loan. And your heart shall not be upset when you give it to him. Because for it is th- because of this thing, it is because of your potential to lend and to help out your brethren that God is blessing you in the first place. It, it's amazing. You never have psukim that are so explicit as to the reason Borei Olam gives us Parnassah. But it doesn't say that the reason He gives us Parnassah is that we should, we should uh, buy ourselves a Ferrari. The reason He gives us Parnassah is to help out, is to lend to our brother when he's in need. Right? For fact of the matter is that there will never be no poor people in the land. There are always going to be poor people in the land. And therefore I'm commanding you, they should open up your hands to your brethren, to the poor, to the destitute that are in your land. Okay, let's focus on two elements in this passage about giving tzedakah in general or lending money in general. One, the halachot that we learn come from one pasuk. Pasuk 8, Ki fatoach tifyachat yadecha lo, open your hand to him, ve'ha'avet ta'avitenu, and you shall lend to him, de machsoro asher yachsar lo, what he is lacking, that is lacking to him. Now if you look at Rashi, you'll see the halachot. There are two basic halachot when we're giving tzedakah. One is that it's de machsoro, you only have to give a person what he is lacking. Meaning I do not have to make some person who his standard of living is X, I only have to give him X. If he's used to driving a Hyundai, then I give him a Hyundai. But if he's used to driving a however, Mercedes, but the next part of the Pasuk, however, says, Asher yachsar lo. But how do I determine what the guy needs? That depends on what his standard of living was before he became poor. Asher yachsarlo means what is lacking to him. Meaning each case of tzedakah is different. So if the person was a respected person before, because he used to drive a nice car, he had a nice place of living, then when I give him tzedakah, the mitzvah is to give him what he needs. And what he needs for him to maintain his dignity and to maintain his happiness is to be where he was before. Which is so that he should have that vehicle that he had before. So the tzedakah in that case, the mitzvah, is to not only give him what he needs, but you also have to look at the person and see this kind of person, what is it that he really needs. And when we see what a person needs, we take into account what his, stat- what his standard of living was before that. Now, I don't know to what extent it is kept today, but that's what Rashi says. Okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that if we were to... You have a heartfelt for this person. Yeah. Okay, the next idea is if you look in Rashi, you'll see another beautiful idea. In Pasuk 9, be careful lest you have this bad idea that you say, uh, I, I, the, the Shemitah is approaching, it's coming, it's coming in two months, I'm not going to give him. And then the Pasuk says, He will call upon you to God, and there will be a sin for you. Now obviously, he doesn't need to cry out to Hashem for it to be sin for me. Even if he doesn't cry out to Hashem, it is still a sin, correct? So Rashi points out that when a person 
is in a difficult situation and you're the cause of him maintaining his difficult position and he's, he, because of you, he doesn't get out of it and he cries out to Hashem in his pain, the sin for you or the punishment for you will come a lot quicker. Meaning when a person is in the depths of despair and he cries out to Hashem, that is a very dangerous position to be in and you, you do not want to be on the negative end of that tefillah. Because that tefillah carries a lot of weight. That's what Rashid points out. It's a beautiful thing. There's also a very beautiful radak in, in Tehillim where, where David Amelech says somewhere in Tehillim, he says, um, I prayed to Hashem and I knew... Oh my God. I prayed to Hashem and I knew I would be answered. And Radak says, how does he know he's going to be answered? And Radak says, because anybody who prays to Hashem, with a broken heart, for sure they'll be answered. So, you, so, you, so if you're on the receiving end of that, if you're on the receiving end of that, you have to get out of the way. Okay? Um, okay. It's okay, it's okay. Uh, Pasuk 12 We have two more minutes, right? Yes, yes, yes We're in Pasuk 12, chapter 15 If it is sold to you Your brethren who is an Israelite Why would an Israelite be sold to you? Because he was in debt He stole And then Betin decided he stole He's now in debt He could not repay his debts So now he has to work off his debts through forced labor, okay? So he sold to you, he serves you for six years. In the seventh year, you send him free. Have we learned these laws before? Yes, yes we have. Yes. Where have we learned these laws? Parshad Mishpatim. Those are all the laws in, in Mishpatim. We saw all the details of the laws of the... Of, of the laws of... No, not even how you treat him. Just the laws of how, how do we handle a, a, an Israelite slave. If he comes in alone, he, co- he can go out alone. If, if he comes in with his wife, he leaves. You don't take his wife from him, obviously. If he marries in your home, if he marries in your home this and that. Okay, now, what is going to be the emphasis here? Because we're studying the laws a second time. But as we've seen, each time we study the laws in Devarim, we're not focusing on the same thing. So Ramban with Anun saves us and he says, you focus... Focus on Pasuk 13 and 14. When you send them free, do not send them empty-handed. Give him gifts. From your sheep, from your, from your grain, and from your wine. From whatever God has blessed you with, you have to give him as a gift, as a parting gift, like uh, what, they, what they do in um, whenever a person, what's it called? When the person leaves a company? No, not a pension. They give him a... A, um, no? severance. Severance. severance You give the, uh, the slave a form of severance okay? Is that because we raised the standards? No No, Rashi says the reason The reason is because when you left Egypt Did you leave poor or did you leave rich? You left rich, you left rich. So we learn from Egypt That whenever the, the slave leaves us We leave him with gifts so he can restart his life The same way we had a, a fresh start when we left Egypt you remember that you were a slave in Egypt. And therefore, I'm commanding this thing to you today. And if he says, And if he says, I want to stay with you, then you're allowed to keep him, uh, as, but he asked you pierce his ear, and you could keep him for after that until the times of the Yovel. 
but do not be upset when you send him free. Because he already worked for you his due, and now you should send him with a happy heart, and uh, that's how you should let go of him. So that's uh, one more element that we've seen the mitzvah before, the mitzvah of, this, of the, the Hebrew slave, but this time the angle is not the angle of what are the laws, it's the angle of make sure to treat him like he's really your brother, give him a jump start in life, and let even this be another element of your unity. Okay, so we're... Uh, Tomorrow, Bezor Shem, I'm finishing. I'm not going to go into Shabbat with the, on the wrong parasha. Okay? Um, we're going to be studying the holiday season tomorrow. We're going to skim it, and we're going to start Shofetim tomorrow also. That's, that's my... Blinader. 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 That's my, my thing. Baruch Adonai Lulam. Amen. Amen. Amen.